0: Welcome, Cash Yeah, thank you. Or should I say credit? Credit, which, Who yeah. do I have with me today?
1: Today, it's Cash. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I, need, so I don't which, have my
0: wig on. Not sure which personality I'm talking about, but yeah, you're right. There's no there's no wig, so <laughs> yeah, I think I'm yeah. safe for now. Unfortunately, I don't have that
1: lush hair on my head, yeah. Yeah. I wish it was my real hair, to be honest. There you go. Yeah.
0: So um, Cash, let's talk about uh, your, your real estate business. We'll start off your real estate business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how you got into the business. Mm-hmm. You know, from what I'm I'm told, there's a big influence there from your from your father mm-hmm. uh, on your you know the creative side of what you've brought to, to real estate. But how did you make the transition into real estate and growing up in Toronto?
1: So um, when we came to Canada in '94, uh, we didn't have much, and uh, my parents end up divorcing, and I was living with my mom for a bit, but then after a while, I had to move in with my dad to be closer to my school. And uh, when I did do that, I was uh, pretty much living in the same room and sleeping in the same bed as my dad. He would snore. Our our space was tight. My two oldest sisters were uh, with us at the time in a two-bedroom apartment. And it was just really tight space. And, you know, it was getting to me. Like, we would go to a friend's house. I I was breakdancing at the time. And uh, I needed space. I didn't have space to breakdance. I didn't have space to do any sorts of, you know, hobbies. And uh, I was jealous of my friends who had like basements or backyards, and uh, I would just harass my dad, be like, we need a house, we gotta move into a house. And it was great because the kids in my grade at the time all wanted cars, and I was like focused on the house. And I'm so happy now, like, Scratchful. back then I just needed the space, I wasn't really thinking investment wise. So he was like, uh, he's like, I can't afford it, you gotta go find a job and like, you know, pitch in and maybe we'll, find, we'll buy a house. And you're and how old was this guy? I was like 15 at the time. And, it's a big
0: ask of a 15-year-old.
1: Yeah, and, and I was like, I was really threatening my dad. I was like, you know, if we don't buy a house, I'm gonna go take whatever money I have and put it in a car, an Acura Integra. And he's like, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. It's not a good wise investment. So anyways, that summer, my, my sisters found a job. And because we spoke French, uh, we got a bilingual job that was paying a bit more than uh, you know your minimum wage. And they're like, why don't you apply? And I was like, really, they're gonna hire me? I went for the interview and i got the job and i just started working my ass off you know i had no financial commitments no cell phone bills no nothing and uh, i just started saving every bit of cash i could i think in one summer i made close to 10 grand and uh, that's when i was like i got the cash and it motivated my sister motivated my dad and we like kind of pulled our money together and we went and bought our first house we kind of stumbled on it it was on bayview and uh, near Bayview village
0: on the main street so after you save this money how old are you at this point The start when you're 16 15, so you're 16 yeah so that's that's impressive
1: so we're driving to richmond hill and on the way we see this beautiful house on bayview but to us it was like mansion coming mm-hmm. from like a small apartment and uh we drove by it and and there was a for sale sign and we're like we're like dad what do you think of this and he's like it's probably too expensive it's baby village don't even think about it my sister's like just call the agent you never know so we called the agent turned around and he's like I could be there I could show it to you right away we went saw the house it was they were asking 350,000 I think and we bought it for like 330 um, we had to like pull our monies together we took you know like we borrowed some for the land transfer this that like we just made it happen and uh, I feel like that was the start of my real estate career because it sparked something in me and I'm like okay so this is how you go through the purchase um and then my dad was like hey now you got to pay like one third of the mortgage right and i'm like what are you talking about i'm like i'm going to school i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) and then he's like no you're responsible like i can't carry this on my own so we thought about it and we're like you know what we're going to renovate the basement and rent it out so we went to home depot on saturdays they had like classes on framing and drywalling and uh and I, i learned just a little bit to get me started I did a shit job of the basement, but I got it done and I rented it room by room and we're making like 1600 bucks a month. It was like carrying most of the mortgage and uh, it was great. It was an amazing feeling. It's a good number at the
0: time. Yeah. Oh, great
1: number. Yeah. Yeah. 2001, 2000, 2001. And, uh, and then I, and then it really like, it clicked. I was like, you know, I I went through the process of purchasing and then uh, renovating, renting out. Now I'm a landlord. There's a lot of things that happened in between, obviously, like learning to be a landlord was very difficult at 16. Mm-hmm. You know, the first few guys that showed up with like the down payment or the first and last, I was like, yes, you got the unit. And then I had trouble with them. I have problems. I had people doing like Coke in the in their rooms, people that weren't paying rent anymore. So I had to learn to deal with bad tenants, kick them out. And it was all on me too. Like my dad's like, oh, you got to deal with it, whatever. So I'm happy he, he allowed me to do that or pushed me to do that because... That's where I got a lot of the experience earlier on. And then I was like, let's do it again. So we did it again on another house. And then uh, then I saw another opportunity in Baby Village. It was a flip opportunity. I was like, that, this is way underpriced. It was listed for like 860. The agent wasn't doing a good job. I had a feeling like it could go for a lot more. The market was on its way up too. So we bought it and literally closed on it. And then we sold it again for like 1.1, made a, a good chunk of cash there. It kind of, you know, sent me forward to do other things, other investments. Uh, eventually I built a house and then made a ton of mistakes on that. I overstretched myself and I think I lost money. I made money on paper, but I, I technically lost money. Yeah, I could have made a lot more money um, just doing my sales or whatever. But that's really how I got into real estate sales. And then fast forward, I was still at working at Bell. This was like eight years now. Uh, the department I was working at- So you're 24. Mm. We were like 20, 23, 24 the department I was working at, we were selling satellite space to commercial to, for them, for like commercial businesses or like Toyota or Cineplex. They were, they were broadcasting live HD uh, through the satellite receivers and, and satellite, uh, you know, in space and stuff, we'd sell bandwidth. And eventually when the internet caught up and you could do HD streaming online, it kind of slowly killed our business and our department closed. They gave me a package. And I, at that time I had already just signed up for the courses And I was like, this is a sign. I got to just go for it. Real estate courses. Real estate courses, yeah. So it kind of, things fell into place, to be honest with you. Like, it it was just kind of, I was directed and and herded into this direction. Um, At first, it was like, I really love homes. I I really love the space. And then I got into the Renaults and everything else. And that's how I ended up.
0: What an incredible, like, Mm -hmm. valuable lesson at the age of 16. Oh, yeah. You, You couldn't, like you know, you need to box that and put it into a course, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's that's an incredible value oh. that a 16-year-old to go through. And how many 16-year-olds had that opportunity? And, you know, at the time, it wasn't necessary. You wouldn't look at it as an opportunity. So you're, you're being forced to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to make ends meet in order to, mm-hmm. to live in a space that is, you know, allowable square footage for you and your family.
1: But yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, it was great because... At the time, I didn't know, but it, it was setting me up because because I was doing all of this stuff and I was talking about it with my friends and the people I worked with at Bell. It was kind of like indirect marketing for myself. Yeah. It was advertising that hey, I'm getting into real estate. Hey, now I'm renovating. Now I'm managing tenants. I'm a landlord, and these are the issues I'm dealing with. So people like were there throughout the process of me, you know, buying it was the house. Inspiring it was inspiring and then they would come to me and also ask questions and they wanted to become landlords they wanted to invest at the time I didn't have my license so I was just helping people because I could because I'd gone through it and I think that gave me an advantage because when I got my license it was a smooth transition between just helping people and getting paid for it yeah right? that's great yeah. so
0: fast forward then you're 24 years old <clears throat> and you, you you decide you got to go through the courses get your license how mm-hmm. did starting out in real estate again you had a crazy, uh, you know, quick education, but Mm -hmm. how did the first year go?
1: So I should have joined a team, I think. Like, looking back at it now, I would have learned a lot more from a team and kind of, like, cut my learning curve. But it was kind of, uh, it was, like, free-for-all. It was, like, it was me by myself, and I was trying to collect as many, uh, you know, clients as I could. Some of it came to me directly from, like, you know, Bell, where I used to work, or my school and stuff, Uh, and some I kind of went after, uh, I joined REMAX Realtron at the time because Barry Cohen was there mm-hmm. and I could see his signs at Bayview and York Mills. I'd drive through those mansions and, and look at them and imagine so, uh, you myself. You want to
0: absorb through osmosis Barry Cohen. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sure. and, and you know, I was
1: so, so like, uh, naive at the time I thought I thought brokerages uh, interviewed us. I didn't think we interviewed brokerages. Yeah. So so I went to REMAX Realtron it was the first place I went because of Barry Cohen and then they're like yeah, we we would love to have you. And I'm like, yes, I got accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking like, you know, I I did something special, but obviously any brokerage is uh, willing to take on new agents. Anyway, so um, so, yeah, I started there and it was, uh, looking back at it, to be honest with you, I didn't really, I don't, I would never go back there. I think the environment is not a healthy one. It was very competitive. Uh, it was like a dog-eat-dog, uh, backstabbing kind of culture. If you left an address on the table somewhere, someone saw that, they would have been at that home trying to get the listing. Yeah, um, and, very old uh, school. Very yeah. old school, you know. And I learned a lot, I guess, to kind of have thicker skin. I lost a bunch of listings that way. Um, and uh, But but it made me feel like like every salesperson was out to get me, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it wasn't until after later on when I switched over to REMAX Hallmark and, and seeing brokerages like yours uh, that it opened up my eyes to, like, what the collaboration For and sure. helping each other and having a healthy and working environment really meant. Yeah. Um, you know, you could do a lot more transactions amongst your colleagues versus, like, in a setting like that where it's very competitive. You don't even want to mention an address. Yeah. You don't want to do There's, like, a bitter kind of, uh, you know, yeah it's an old school
0: mentality right mm-hmm. and I actually have a lot of hope for you know you know old guys people love to bitch about the next generation coming up and whatnot but I think there's a tremendous amount of value in this generation that's coming up that they are very collaborative they've been mm-hmm. raised in kind of team environments and collaboration right yep. so yeah. uh, I think that's a big plus for this generation mm-hmm. because like I said you know, there's so much business out there in the GTA, mm. right? We don't mm. need to be fighting over listings, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. within, our, within our office, especially, mm-hmm. um, that uh, more business was coming out of you know collaborating, communicating with other realtors. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And it was very yeah. embarrassing because, like, the, in that brokerage, there would be a lot of complaints from the community, local neighborhood. And I, I don't mean to bash, but like this is what I was witnessing. And uh, you know, like when you have a community that looks down on that brand it's bad for the next guy who's working at that brokerage because you're going to have a tough time getting a listing because the, 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 you know, the reputation isn't great. So, so that's very important. So you got to look at it from a different perspective. Yes, you could be competitive trying to steal someone's listing. You might make a quick buck out of that listing, but if the reputation in the neighborhood is tainted, then you're going to lose out on other business. So like, what's really the point, Mm -hmm. you know, are you really gaining or are you losing? So no, definitely collaboration. Um, you know, working in conjunction with the brokerage, your colleagues, uh, to build a better brand that's well respected in the community is it's much more important for sure.
0: So, how long did you last in that environment before you moved on? I was there for six years. For, for six yeah. years, okay. I
1: didn't know any better, to be honest with you. Like you thought it was normal. I thought it was normal. Yeah.
0: And and for, for a big part of the the industry, especially maybe at that time, mm-hmm. it was right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So th- there's a lot of brokerages out there, and there's a ton of brokerages. Every single one of them will promise you a certain thing, but they all have a different culture. This is what I'm realizing: culture is very important. Um, and the more I do social media content, the more I realize culture is very important because you want to be around like-minded people that encourage your certain things that you your habits that you know are doing well for you or keeping you as a you know healthy individual, business-wise, family-wise, whatever and there's a lot of brokerages out there that are not really producing or they're not um they're not encouraging their realtors to better themselves uh to get education whatever coaching and and then you end up becoming stale in that brokerage um but you don't know any better it's like being in an abusive relationship you don't know that if you should should leave that partner or not leave that partner and uh and so it's very important to go out there and explore and have communications like I do with you. You know, we're friends now. and Relationships, yeah. Relationships, and uh, and I get to see how you do your, your, you know, inside uh, kind of stuff with your brokerage and your agents. And I admire the things you do and uh, the effort that you're putting into content making, your studio, your green screen, um, and also encouraging your realtors, especially the older guys who don't want to get on content, yeah. which should be getting on content. Yeah. So, uh, so I appreciate that about you and uh, how you're pushing that
0: on your... Uh, likewise, same, yeah. same amount of respect for you and, and what you're doing, right? It's so why you're mm-hmm. here today. So let, let's, you know, we're talking about social mm-hmm. and uh, I agree a lot of the, um, I have quite a few older agents that uh, are really apprehensive about it. They, they built their business on networking mm-hmm. and, and, you know, making the rounds in the neighborhood and the communities that they want to work in, and which mm-hmm. is great. That's how a big foundation can be built in this business. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me how social and building content can help those guys as well. Because a lot of them are very uh, apprehensive to, to put mm-hmm. themselves out there online.
1: So this is what I've noticed. The reason they're apprehensive is because they've built an image doing what they were doing, which was like flyering and so on and so forth. So for them to come on camera, they're afraid that their clients now are going to see them from a different angle and, and change their perspective or change their opinions of them. Um, but it's very important to understand the, uh, the exponential, uh, you know, like effort that you can get out of social media content. Um, for example, if you're sending out flyers, first of all, 90% or, or a bunch of people don't want to get junk mail, especially in East York. When I was sending out flyers in East York, a lot of them would, uh, a lot of the ones, uh, that have check marked from Canada post, they wouldn't get the mail at all. Um, and I realized like I wouldn't get calls from them until I got someone private to deliver the flyers and I started doing more business. But when you're doing a video, you can immediately see the amount of views you're getting and you get immediate feedback. You get how many comments, uh, you see what people think of it. Uh, And that's like, that's very important. It's very crucial because then you can adjust and see what people like, what they don't like, what attracts them to you. And then you can repeat that over and over again and and increase your numbers and Mm -hmm. you get calls.
0: I think the the apprehension on the uh, the, the, the paper in the, the print advertising these days from those receiving it um, that you know the ones that are opting out really, mm-hmm. it started off prior to COVID because of the environmental impact, mm. but now post COVID even more so people just don't want the paper they don't want to mm-hmm. they don't wanna be receiving items from abroad and and, and,
1: and there's also something like uh, it's like the old school way of like door knocking you know door knocking still happens but it's like the door to door sales back then people were happy when their door someone was at their door they'd be interested they'd be running there you'd have people that that drop by you know for a visit nowadays that feels like it's almost an intrusion people don't want you to come to their door and that flyer is an extension of that it's like here it is like you know i'm, I'm putting my flyer into your mailbox and like you got to use me and even me i feel it that, i feel that way like sometimes i come in come home and there's like 10 flyers from different realtors yeah and it's like I had enough of you. I don't like I don't I want to unfollow your your physical flyers. Um, with social media is like you're they will follow you if they connect with you, if they like your content, if they like your personality and it's almost like a voluntarily kind of uh, approach and uh, and then you can capitalize on that much easier because people already enjoy you, your presence, they enjoy your opinion. And uh, it's much easier to do business with those kind of people.
0: Well, and uh, you know what? Just to back up about the, the paper, the print advertising, I don't necessarily think there's no role for it. But I'm, And, and I agree with you. I, when I get all the junk mail, I don't want to even look at it. It just goes right into the recycling bin. But if there's a personality that I'm following online, mm-hmm. like yourself, right? Yeah, we, we know each other now. We become mm-hmm. friends now. But even prior to meeting you for the first time, I felt like I knew you, mm. right? Exactly, I, yeah. I, I built a relationship yeah. with you that you didn't even know about because I was following your content. True. I got to see who you are and you're, you're very, you put yourself out there. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to see what type of person you are. When I get a flower from you, I'm like, oh, it's cash or true. Or, or credit, I should say. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you feel like you know this person. You're a little bit more apprehensive to take that into the house and take a good look at it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's somebody I actually know now.
1: True. right? You're right. And that's actually very true because when I go to my listing presentations now, I really don't bring anything anymore. I used have to, to have no. to make a case for who I am and how I do business and so on. But if you're following me and you call me and say, come and list my house, you've already seen all my stories of how I stage, how I send my handy guy to paint and fix issues and how I take my movers and, and move all your stuff out, declutter the house, do everything from A to Z. So you've seen that process and then you've seen the, say, the sold so you're like, okay, his his marketing process, his video making, like you're familiar with all of it. So by the time you call me to list your house, you don't want me to sit there for two hours explaining to you what I'm gonna do for you and what uh, you know you're gonna get from Cash Elavi Group, right? Yeah. So, and,
0: and oftentimes I hear agents say, that's just not my clients. My clients are want to see my ad in the Globe and Mail, or they want to see my ad in the uh, the neighborhood magazine, mm. or they want to see it on postcards, but. You know, you're a fifty-year-old agent that's very successful. That is uh, has a demographic of clients that are anywhere from late forties to maybe as high as late seventies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe that's true, but you're 50 years old, you have 15, 20 years left in your career. Do you not want to be capturing their kids Mm. and their grandchildren Mm -hmm. right? who are going to be choosing their, who they work with when it comes Mm -hmm. to banking or or realtors or whoever Mm -hmm. in a much different way. Yeah.
1: And you know, when they say that, that's just an identity they've created for themselves in their minds Yeah. Uh, because that's not true. Every single person nowadays likes to see content. Mm -hmm. We like to see video. If I buy something, do I want to read the book? Uh, the instruction book or do I just w- want to see a quick video of how it works? Of course I want to see a quick video. I can't even see
0: the instructions anymore so yeah, go exactly. away to YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't, yeah you need your glasses yeah. right yeah
1: so so no it's uh, it's that's just an idea that they've created in their mind to justify why they're not doing content. Yeah. but the reality is they will definitely benefit from content. I wouldn't be sitting here. It's funny the other day I was walking down I, I was, sorry I was at the gym I was I was on the treadmill. I was doing a video of myself for my stories the guy next next to me the older gentleman he's like oh you're talking about uh, farm and stuff like that and I'm like yeah so we started talking and he's like what do you do I'm like I'm a realtor and he goes oh he goes he does this and I'm like what do you mean like like that's rude right and um and then I was and then I I started thinking to myself because I I realized people do dislike realtors and and generally speaking and the reason why is because our business is not really regulated we have a ton of realtors uh in the city of Toronto and GTA and not all of them are actually doing business right so when you're dealing with a a part-time agent you might have a bad experience because a they're at work somewhere they're not picking up your calls Um, They're not in and out of homes. They don't know valuation. So you get a bad experience and then you label all the realtors as bad realtors. When you're on social media, you're showing your day to day kind of like routine. You're showing what you're dealing with. You're showing the professionalism you're providing to your clients. You're showing your experience, your knowledge. Um, It stands. It makes you stand out of the rest. So already I feel much more confident having content because I get I, I feel like I'm not just a realtor. I'm Cash Alavi and, and my followers know who I am and how much work and effort and and exactly. energy and service I provide. Yeah. So it gives me a lot more confidence that a business card wouldn't otherwise do. These other realtors who have already established their network, they they get that feeling from the network they've created already. That's why they don't feel like they, they should go to content making, but they don't understand that what they have with content would, would exponentially grow and, and double and triple up. And unfortunately, a lot of the seasoned guys, like a lot of them, don't make content, Um, and that's unfortunate. Because if one of them really decided, like, "Hey, I'm going to take this on, and I'm going to be serious about it, I'm not going to give give up on it," uh, they would like skyrocket and 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 kill all the other guys who they're competing with. Yeah. Um, But we're not going to tell them that uh, (laughs) because. It's funny,
0: you know. You talk about seventy thousand agents in the GTA, Mm -hmm. um, right? There, there has been a massive barrier to entry. To get to that seventy, we we both know about five thousand of those agents are. There's there's seventy thousand people that are called realtors. There's five thousand realtors.
1: Yeah, right? real realtors. People exactly. that take
0: this seriously, that run it as a business, they provide mm-hmm. the value that you know you do to your clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 a big part of that, you know, if you look at the brokerage model, and mm-hmm. not getting into my business, not yours, for a minute, but the brokerage model has been beaten up so much mm-hmm. over the years, the commission is yeah. compressed, the relationship. I uh, mean, the value that brokers are bringing to agents compressed as well. Along with that, mm-hmm. over the years, that it is—you're right—the brokerage model is a volume play. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have a pulse, and the brokerages are inviting you through the front door. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so thats the—that's the, that's the product yeah. of what you get in that type of system.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's and it's tough because the more agents you get, the more work you have to do to keep the sheets and the balance sheets and and provide them with uh, service and so on. So I, I feel for you because I know you're trying to do a good job, just like the broker owners at my office, um, Deborah, Ken, Steve. They do a great job at providing service to their realtors, but it's a fine line between just collecting any sort of agent uh, that's not necessarily going to be producing, but also requires help and and you know assistance and so on, uh, and just trying to get quality agents who are doing good amount of business to again, have a good reputation about that brokerage. So I think you're doing a fantastic job and you're making all the efforts to do that, uh, which is why I'm here, which is why I appreciate uh, our time together because we always have good productive discussions. And uh, you know, it's, it's great to see a broker owner like you said, because you guys have taken such a small. Because back in the day, it was like fifty-fifty, yeah, all yeah, around. Sure. So the brokerages and, and, and were making, and,
0: and the agents were getting the value out of that 50-50 relationship. Exactly, and, yeah,
1: yeah, they were getting the value, but it was also different. So the brokerages would do most of the marketing. The agents exactly. would just service. Now, like agents are responsible for most of their stuff, and you guys are responsible for them, you know, doing well. Like whether it's uh, education and providing them opportunities and stuff. Um, But uh, with uh, the way you're doing it, the effort, because you don't have to put the effort in. No. But you decide to do because that's going to better your agents, build your reputation, build your brokerage, and then attract other like-minded realtors who want to be in that same culture. Exactly. So that's that's good. It's appreciated. It's just like how I go above and beyond for my clients. And I make sure that their home is staged, their home is painted, the repairs are done, we declutter their home. I don't have to do that. There's a ton of agents, especially in a hot market, you can just put it on the market and it'll just sell itself. Exactly. And clients will never know if they would have gotten $2 million or 2.1, because you only get one one chance at, at selling your house. Mm-hmm. So what if you did do the staging and the repairs and it looked really nice? It would have gotten you an extra hundred grand, but we you don't know, we know that. We both
0: know that goes a long way. It goes really a long does. way. More go. eyeballs on the property. Yeah. Right. And, and it can make a, it can make a big difference on offer. A hundred percent.
1: And I didn't know that as a new agent. No. So I used to just get away from doing it. It's a lot of investment. Like I've spent anywhere from my, minimum cost these days is like three, 000, four thousand on mm. a small condo. And it goes up to like $25,000 I've spent on some of the other homes. Um, but you get it back you sell it much quicker you sell it much higher the clients are happy they know that you've done your best so that when there is a blip or if you're if you're getting an offer they don't question like is that the highest offer i could have gotten know you did it they it's know like you, went, you we've yeah. done everything right yeah. so this offer is what you know the market allows for your house so
0: nice yeah. so let's go back to social work mm-hmm. um, in a second you you know You've taken a really creative approach. So you're not just going on there talking about market reports. You've taken a not creative approach approach to your network and, and trying to, you know, introduce yourself and and your alter ego to to the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one, what was the motivation for that? I know, uh, Cameron tells me that you had some creative influence from your father. So let, let's talk about that. And uh, two, ha- are you seeing that translate into business and, and how so?
1: So when I first started with the content, um, I wanted to make content, but I didn't want to make like regular realtor real estate content. And I was doing well enough for myself uh, that I wasn't like just making content for the purpose of making money. I was like, I want to just get out there, but I don't want to do you know the regular boring stuff. So I decided to just let my inner uh, child and my uh, you know goofy side, my my humor, just I just let it out. So I started with just making content for myself, really. And and I think that's where the key is, because a lot of realtors will think of making content for the purpose of gaining a client. And when you do that, you're constantly adjusting and recalibrating what you're saying, how you're looking, and so on. And it's coming out as not authentic. and And then people don't connect with it. When I when I did it, I just like I'm just gonna be funny and and you know if I think of a joke, I'm gonna translate that into a video and put it out there and and people started really connecting with it. At yeah. first, people were like, "What is this guy doing?" Right? Because you don't know you don't you don't have a backstory to who is this guy and, and is he actually funny? Is he just making jokes? But then as the years went by, I uh, I started kind of creating a, a following where people were fans of the content I was making. Um, and then, and then they started seeing my stories of how I do the more serious stuff on a day-to-day basis. Because the problem with social media is whatever you put out there gets amplified. Yeah. So if you do a, a funny skit, they think you're just a goof. But you have to balance it with your other stuff. Obviously, I have five kids, I'm a father, like I can't just be a goof in my whole life. Like I'm, I'm running a business, it's now my 14th year, like I'm doing something else than just making funny videos. Now my followers are understanding and getting the whole picture of who I am. Like I like to be healthy, I work out, I you know take care of my kids, my family, I take them out, make sure they get experiences, I take care of my clients. Um, but I have this nice sense of humor that I don't mind uh, putting out there because I know there's people that can relate to some of those jokes um, because most of the stuff is, is relatable, you know, like whether it's an agent relating to the funny uh, real estate joke or it's a client relating to the joke. Um, when people relate to it, they, it's a much more powerful connection than just seeing you talk about a market um, stat. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't like connect that. Like every other that. realtor. That's every okay. other realtor, like they'll, 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 they might listen to the stat and just to get an idea, but most people are not buying or selling every single day. So they don't care for that information until it applies to them. But if you're making content that is more relatable, um, they're gonna wanna hear more about, more from you. Mm-hmm. And they'll be more tuned in and their attention will, will be there. Um, and attention is the biggest uh, currency right now. So,
0: How do your uh, kids like your uh, performances?
1: Uh, they like it. I had my son the other day, uh, and I was telling Cam this. We were going through the garage cleaning things, and uh, I, I had a video where I dressed in heels and with the wig. Um, and he saw the red heels, and he's like, oh, papa, mama's shoes. And I'm like... I, I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Mama's shoes. Mama wears a le- size eleven shoes. Like, give me those. <laughs> Just like change the subject. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to get into that conversation. But but they they think that Dad is a celebrity because they yeah. see the, the videos them, and yeah. stuff, and they see me edit and and they're like, what are you doing? And I and I let them see it and 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 it's funny because there's a lot of the stuff I I wouldn't think they would get, but when they watch it, they laugh at the right spots of the video, and I realize that. You know, some of the stuff is just universal. You know, like laughter is really universal. You can make a joke that's real estate related, but the kids get it too. And that's where it's powerful because you're uh, you're appealing to a wide audience. Um, And that's really all it is. And in our business or in any business, like your dentist, your doctor, whatever, you want to make sure that you can connect with them, that they're personable, that they're, you know, approachable. Um, And social media is incredible for that because they get to see you. They get to spy on you from the bushes and make sure they like you, and then they come out. Mm-hmm. But when they come out, they're already a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not second guessing. They're going right with it. They yeah, so feel like they know you. They feel like they know you. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do 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 you measure? Like, do you have data on um, your your conversion? Do you, do do you measure what you're putting out there and, and what you're getting back?
1: Um, no, not really. I just uh, I wish I could put out more. To be honest with you. Uh, people look at me as like I'm the content creator, but I'm really not. Mm-hmm. I've I've been doing it since 2018. I started. I only have 200 posts. Mm-hmm. Like you might have more than that on on my social on your but social I media have to scam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like I know M- Matt Campoli has a lot more posts than that, but uh, I wish I could put out more
0: because now you're not digitally advertising for the most part. You're you're. I
1: started following. recently. Okay.
0: I started recently because I noticed but your following is more. Like a it's, organic. it's organic, yeah. yeah. But even
1: so, there's which is, two- wait,
0: it's where that's harder to measure, right?
1: It's harder to measure, uh, but you could see in the engagement. So yeah. like, if there's a lot of comments and a lot of likes uh, versus views. Uh, it just means that the, you know you have a really organic following that truly appreciates your content. That's why they're engaging with it. They're commenting, they're liking, and
0: so on and so forth, yeah. So you're, it sounds like you're pivoting a bit and you're moving into digital advertising as well. How you you in digital advertising?
1: Uh, well, I just noticed that Instagram has now allowed you to um, sponsor your reels. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started just dipping into that a little bit. Um, and it's not really like g- gaining fake followers. It's like you take a reel, a video you've already created, and you put some money behind it so that Instagram pushes it out further. And if others will see it, and if they enjoy the content, they'll hit follow themselves. So mm-hmm. they decide still they're following. Um, but I'm, I'm very against like buying uh, followers and that kind of thing. It may look good on your, on your account that, oh, you know, like Cash has 100,000 followers. But if it's not real, you're not getting real feedback when you're posting stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not getting real comments, you're not getting real. So you don't know which direction your followers want you to go. Right, mm-hmm. and you're kind of losing your identity to sure. fake bots. Yeah, um, but yeah, but there's all sorts of things. Like there's there's a character that I came out with recently that does does really well. The Persian community kind of started
0: following me a lot oh, so more. That was my next question. Is mm-hmm. How is the Persian community responding to your your? Um, they like it uh, because it's
1: relatable. Yeah. Right. Uh, we we have certain cultural stereotypes that are that are true, um, and you know <laughs> Persians love to be luxurious uh we are very we very image conscious um we have to be the best of the best all the time um and uh my dad was like that so some of that uh, character i took bits and pieces from my dad um which is why it comes so naturally and uh and they they like it they enjoy it because it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing you know like we're very proud people. Persians are proud, and uh, because of that pride, it kind of makes them holds them to a certain standard, yeah. right? You have to be well dressed. You have to be well spoken. You have to be, you know, like uh, successful and blah blah blah. It's a lot of pressure, because on the other hand, it's a fine line between having a great image, and then uh, another. Uh, the other side of that is to uphold an image. And what do what will people think of me? So that could have a lot of pressure uh, for people as well. Like I know a lot of my clients, Persian clients, I'd sometimes ask like, oh, but what will people think if I, if I bought this house? It's like, hey, that's your budget. Forget about what people think. Yeah. This yeah. will get you to the next step and the next level. This is your investment. Um, don't worry about what people think because that puts you in financial stress,
0: yeah. right? So. But it sounds like they also have a sense of humor if they are responding to your content, oh, they well have a they sense are. of humor yeah.
1: because they know the underlying message is very true. Yeah, and uh, it, that's
0: what makes it funny, really. That's great. Right. Uh, so, with that said, is um, is a big part of your business the Persian community? What's no, it actually, it's not. Minds? No,
1: because um, I I actually got better at Farsi in real estate. Okay. Uh, before that, my Farsi was very broken. Um, we left Iran when I was three years old. We lived in Europe in Belgium, and uh, we came here in '94. I spoke French was my first language pretty much. Uh, Farsi, my parents would speak to me, but like French was what I went to school for, like with and and, and then English here. Um, so all my clients around me were like friends and colleagues from past workplaces and not many Persians. But when I started working in Willowdale and doing business in Richmond Hill uh, with Realtron, that's when I started dealing with a lot more Persians. Uh, and at first it was very difficult because I don't have the same uh, you know, way of communicating. I don't get the jokes sometimes. Uh, there's there's this song and dance with Persians. Like the way you speak, it's like three layers deeper than English. Uh, you have to get the jokes. You have to get the the sayings. And uh, and you know, sometimes I wouldn't get them. And or sometimes I would say things that I'm translating directly from English, and it's somewhat offensive. You know, in f- amongst Persians, you have to be. Well spoken. You have to you have to speak a certain way. It has to be a very respectful way. Like if you're, you can't just say, "Oh, you don't know you don't know what you're talking about." For example, you can't say that. That that's very disrespectful. But we might say that to each other, like, "Oh, you're you're not. You know what you're saying is wrong." For example, like that's 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 okay to say. But amongst Persians, like that would be rude. So learning that took took some years. And uh, I had a partner who's uh, uh, Persian at some point and. He helped me and he taught me a lot of that too. and actually, talking about all this uh, Persian culture and and uh, and stuff, I want to kind of.
0: I was going to open up. <laughs> just, I was going to open this up for you, but uh, you know, I want to get into some uh, uh, you know business planning, scheduling, uh, consistency. No, no, talk. you can you First can, can continue. Talk, but you can continue, well, I but we're still on stuff, talking yeah. about your Persian and your your mm-hmm. different characters. Let's get into explain why the scissors are on the table. No, the, no. The so I brought you. So
1: so I didn't. You know, Cam asked me to bring the wig and stuff and pull out the Persian character, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Instead, oh, you know, I'm not wearing
0: a wig, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah no, okay. no, you're not wearing the wig. Uh, I know your hair is nice and <laughs> it probably took some time to get it that way. No, but I did bring you to get you more familiarized with the Persian um, culture. Um, you know, if you know anything about Iran and where it's located um, and the history, the history is super long. And uh, where, it's, where it is geographically, it's like in the middle. It's like the hub of all the trades. So Persians have a wide range of different foods and mm. things like that. And we really like sour things. So how do you like sour? I love sour. You love sour? Oh, good. Okay, perfect. I thought you wouldn't. I'm I'm a big pickle guy. So so, Okay, good. So I brought a bunch of different things that I want you to try to see what level of sour you can handle. So here we've got like some fruit to go stuff. Um, Then we have some like sour... Uh, Like Lava candy. I think uh, people would know this. This is Lava we call it. It's fruit to go. You're
0: gonna mess mess up my macros today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't
1: worry. No, you're just gonna taste. You're just gonna taste. This stuff here is uh, pomegranate, prunella. Um, It's like a, it's like a dried pomegranate. It probably has uh, some seeds in there, I guess. And then I can't, I know this is not really technically sour, but I gotta get you to try this. Cam tried this before. <laughs> Look, he's, he's yakking. You can't see Cam's face, but he's yakking. So this is one of my favorite things. Persians love it. I, I made a bunch of kids try it back in high school. Uh, I'm not going to say what they thought about it. I'm going to get you to try it. I'll try, without. I'll try anything. So so let's try this. But unfortunately, though, this is, um, it's it's got, it's very gassy, and it might uh, kind of go, Everywhere in your office, I don't want, and, and I have not I was in
0: Egypt last year and I ate camel balls, so I'm sure I'm gonna try It camel those. balls? Camel balls, Okay,
1: yeah. well, this is not really camel balls, but yeah, it might, uh, I got some other stuff here too. I'll, I'll tell you. They didn't tell me
0: what it was at the time when I was eating it, but. Did it taste good? Yeah, it was fine, it was great. Yeah, okay, so let me open it in the bag in case it goes, it goes everywhere. Is this my glass? Crystal yeah, Crystal yeah. glass for this. Uh, crystal glass. So, so tell
1: me a little bit what your question is, well, because this, this is a process, because when you open it, it fizzes out. Oh, you have to. So you got to do it slowly. So okay. I'm going to do this while you're still going
0: through the questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you do that. Yeah, so or tell do me. Or should we open up this and taste it first?
1: Yeah, you have scissors here. Yeah. Okay. There. So you know what? Let's go with this. Yeah, you, you do this. What is this, like a fruit roll-up? That's a fruit roll-up. I think you'll enjoy that. That's that's probably like level level one, I would say. I exactly. would call that a level one. It's like uh,
0: that. Uh, what's that podcast? The guy makes everybody Oh, like the, the wings, spicy the wings?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I think this is uh, this is great to get you familiar. How much uh, how much do you know about the Persian culture, Persian foods? Uh, um, have you tasted? I no don't
0: claim to know a lot. Persian food, I eat like that. Yeah.
1: Take a look at this. So I've never seen dual look this did you, fancy. Did you,
0: did you ever go to Bano? Uh, Banu, yeah. On yeah. On that's that's like infused a little bit. Yeah.
1: So it looks like milk. It's fizzing like Coca Cola.
0: This smells good. This is, this smells sweet.
1: That one. So the guy told me is like we don't really have too too sour, but I think that's like he's talking Persian standard. So it should still be sour to the average guy, but but since you like sour, you might you might be okay with this. Um, that one is a cherry flavor. They do pomegranate. They do they do all sorts of different other flavors too, um, peaches and plums and stuff like that. Here, here, give it to you. Oh, okay, you got it. It's on two layers, both layers of front and back. And um, yeah, so I love sour, I love candy.
0: Now is there plastic on this?
1: Yeah, there's plastic on everything. They're two layers of plastic, one on each side. They're given to me. Okay. Yeah. So while I do this, you have the cameras on on him? <laughs> so this is, this is not sour, this is actually, it,
0: Pulling my garbage, just be on the same
1: side. Just in case he gets sick. sick. Did you take the plastic off this side?
0: No, I think that's like, I have one here that's plastic on.
1: Yeah, this is, it's got the plastic off here. Okay. So take a bite of that and tell me what you think. No, oh no, there nice is plastic.
0: <laughs> Man, they really, uh, If you like sour, then I think. You want to work with it. I yeah. grew up in the East Coast eating lobster. It's less work.
1: Yeah, uh, true. It's actually tasty.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's good, no? Yeah, okay. I wouldn't call it sour though.
1: Yeah, he did say that they didn't really have the sour, sour stuff. I want you to wash it down with it's this good. with this drink here. This is called Duh, okay? It's yogurt soda. It's yogurt uh, club that soda. That's such
0: a weird thought. Yogurt, yogurt soda. Yogurt
1: soda, a weird, really weird. Mint, it's got mint in it.
0: I would advise people not to smell it first.
1: Yeah, okay, what does we're, it smell moving like? Moving forward. What does it smell
0: like? It's, it smells like wine sitting uh, in milk for a few days. That's
1: not a bad description. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now taste. You no, know, you know what? It smells like champagne sitting in milk. That's what it smells like. <sighs> it's an interesting. <laughs> I like it. You like it. I like it.
1: Whoa, yeah. whoa! This is incredible news. Like the initial,
0: like, like texture of a liquid, if I will. It's different. Uh-huh. It's almost like yeah, you can get the carbonation out of it. Yeah. But it's but thick I like, like milk. Yeah.
1: It's thick like milk but it's carbonated. It's fizzy. It's got mint. Yogurt mint. I like it. You like it? Yeah. Wow, this is incredible. You're going to have to put this... Uh, you're going to attract a lot of uh, Persian realtors <laughs> from the fact that you love the sour <laughs> stuff. I thought I'd be here like making you make all sorts of sour faces. Tell them to come down up I'll okay. buy a case <laughs> So you know what? We're going to skip the rest here. Right. We're going to go straight to the... To the Big Bang. Okay, this here is—I don't know how to describe it. This is the last process of milk. This is where milk goes to die, and that's why it's black.
0: Okay, it's called. Like karagudut. we let the milk curl. You let we yeah let it age.
1: Yeah, I don't know exactly the process to be honest with you, but yeah, it's it's after after. Uh, after yogurt after cheese after it's just like rotting in the sun I don't know what the process is but amazing salesman yeah 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 you're gonna you're gonna enjoy this this is gonna be a whole different whole different bang let's see if you Looks really... like a block of hash it looks like a block of hash yeah <laughs> this would be a great way to smuggle hash actually possibly so so I want you to take a piece of that
0: and who tried this for the first time try that
1: Now get his face, because this one might be...
0: Again, I'd advise you to tell people moving forward not to smell it.
1: You can't say you like this one. There's no way. There's no way you like this one.
0: I feel like I just ate cow manure. (laughs) Yes, that's a great description.
1: Cow manure. But sour cow manure. I have to spit this out. You want to spit it out? (laughs) I got you. Good. (laughs) Finally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh my god! You want to know what's funny? My mouth is watering for this right now. I just smelt it, and uh, what? I want serious? it. Oh, I love this stuff! I love this stuff. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? To be honest with you, that's actually a good it's one. so
0: weird. Now that I spit it out, I'm liking the taste. Mm. Like it's like um, now it's sour. Hmm. But at the time, it actually it felt like I was tasting what cow manure smells like
1: you're right though it, it kind of tastes like milk has gone super sour it's crusted up almost has a vomit taste with dust it's like a dusty vomit <laughs> crust <laughs> that's been sitting on a shelf somewhere you scrape so I, I
0: love the the, um, the aftertaste the aftertaste like the sour
1: aftertaste mm. you know what's funny I, I have i haven't eaten anything all day it's almost 3 p.m and uh, this stuff is sour so it's gonna going to kind of react yeah. with the stomach oh, acids yeah um so For i'm sure. very i'm very impressed i got to give you on a persian scale and and there he is he's drinking some more dual so ladies and gentlemen What's you've that? uh dual dual um to all the persian folks out there um mark is invited to the no parties
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're in you're in with the crowd is- unbelievable that you just cracked that open to eat it yourself
1: uh yeah so cam you want to try something you got to try something yeah yeah he's got to try something you can't just you can't just buzz around there here take a piece yeah flip that camera Mm -hmm. he's almost ladies and gentlemen you're not you can't see this but he's almost gagging then he did he spat it out it's like beef jerky and chalk yeah If you would like to try some, contact me directly because you can't buy it at Loblaws. I guarantee you that. Contact (laughs) me. Get in touch with me. We'll have a challenge. Who can have the most? I can't go over that. Mark, I got to say, I'm very impressed uh, with the fact that you can handle the sour. You drank the douche, which is like you're like in the one percentile. I won't try. No, not just try. You drank the whole thing and you enjoyed it. So that's huge. Yeah, that one I like. Have you ever done your 23andMe? No. Because I have a feeling you have like a little Persian in you. Yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: Yeah, accidental. What, what's your ethnic background anyways? Irish. Irish, ah.
0: Yeah, my, my father's side Irish, my um, mm. mother's side German.
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well,
0: congratulations. To, thank you. Yeah. Back to business. Back so to business. you have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You are... One of my biggest pet peeves is when agents say I don't have time for that. Yeah. I don't have time for building content. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a seven-figure agent. Mm-hmm. You are building a ton of content. Um, You have a wife and five kids. Mm -hmm. You have your own investments. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to me about your schedule, how you maintain that schedule, how you maintain health. Like you said, you're Mm -hmm. big to the gym, Mm -hmm. as as we see online a lot. Uh, So tell me about maintenance of your schedule and and fitting it all in.
1: So you know what the, the problem is? Perfection. I used to be a perfectionist. Perfection is actually... Is bad. It's an inhibitor. Yeah, because it, it will it will make you stall on the tasks, mm-hmm. and you'll procrastinate because you want to just do it perfectly. I try to stick to the rule of 80-20 rule. The, do the uh, uh, 20% that will give you the 80% results in that category mm-hmm. and move on. Uh, if I'm doing the gym stuff, I'm not going to obsess over every single calorie. I'm not going to count everything because that's going to drive me nuts. Um okay. If I'm trying to be a good father, I don't obsess over, like, what did I say? What did I do? Like, I try to make time for all my kids together, collectively, and then I try to make time for them individually, because mm-hmm. they need that. I agree, uh, I agree. And, and always be in a good mood. <clears throat> be in a good mood, and love them, you know, be around for them, and, you know, and, and always want the best for them. I
0: like you said that about the individual thing, because I think... If you just do it collectively, you're missing things with the percent, right?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you, we started noticing this. Cam's in trouble over there. He's still puking. Uh, we noticed that with my wife, uh, uh, like after we had like the third or the fourth kid, we're like, you know what? We have to start spending time individually because as a collective, they're always uh, trying to fight for the attention. And until you give it to them and charge their batteries, they're not going to... Cr- cool down and settle. They're going to start acting out and wanting that attention. Exactly. So, and it's cool, like, because we, you know, I'll take Casper to work sometimes, or I'll take, uh, I'll do something with Kenzo, like arts and crafts. Like he, he likes that stuff. I'll go to the arcade with Keanu. Like he, he's, he's a gamer kind of thing. Um, You know, or we'll go for walks and we're going camping soon. And uh, we just came back from a, a, like a Mennonite uh, farm, which was really cool because we got to milk cows and goats and stuff like that. But you don't have to go crazy to be the perfect dad. No. You don't have to be the perfect dad. You have to be a good dad. Attention. You don't have to be the perfect agent. You have to be a great agent. Um, and that's, that's exactly it. Like, I don't kill myself with the details. I just go with the flow. When it comes to business, what's the most important thing? Having the experience, the knowledge, and the ability to do a good job for the client. But more than that, the clients want you to present. They want you listening. They want you to pick up the phone when they call. Um, it's not that difficult. you know. You just, like, as long as you, I have, the, the thing that I, I have the advantage of is going through all, all that experience has taught me a lot. So I gained the experience and knowledge really early. And then it was just a matter of providing good service. And it was an easy gap. So um, 80-20
0: rule is the best.
1: Do you Don't you, try um, to be perfectionist. To a
0: bit more specific, are you a time <clears throat> blocker or are you a scheduler? So yeah, so what I
1: do is uh, I'll block, I'll place things that are very important. Like we have this meeting, I'll put it in there. Uh, I'll put my gym sometime in the morning, but I'll leave room for flexibility in between. Right. Cause if you're over blocking yourself, I don't know how Elon Musk does it. No, like I I'd love care. to see his schedule, yeah. but it's probably like one after he counts it by the minute at 1 PM. I'm going to say, I love you to my son. And then at yeah, 2 PM, well. like it's, it's a little too crazy. Cause no one can keep up with that. No. You know, then, then what's the point of life? I think like, it's
0: all like, um. It's relative, right? Like you're just you're you're you putting them in there as a guide, but mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. has to be uh, room for flexibility.
1: Yeah, yeah, flexibility is is very key because you don't want to stress. The, wor- yourself the whirlwind
0: up. messes you up, right? You can stick your schedule all you want. The mm-hmm. whirlwind of a day can mess you especially up, especially as a
1: realtor. Yeah, like you get a call that will take thirty minutes that you weren't expecting. That call, so what do you do now, right? Um, and you got to you have to be flexible. Uh, clients want that flexibility. Someone wants to see a house tonight. They want you to come. They don't want your teammate to come and show it to them because they want to have a discussion with you about that house there's certain things on their mind so you have to make the time to go there so um and and i'm blessed to have that flexible time because sometimes i'll spend time with my kids in the morning and then do my afternoon appointments um you know like summertime next week they don't have summer camp i'm gonna take a bit more time off i'm gonna spend time taking them to the zoo and maybe go to bruce peninsula like do a little road trip things like that right but since covid it's minimized you know, it's kind of cut the fat out of my schedule um, because we train people to do most of the things online, DocuSign, this, that. I don't have to drive all the way to get an initial anymore. Uh, and, uh, and then you kind of cut out the events and parties that you weren't, you, you didn't necessarily need to go to. Uh, and now I just spend time with family and friends, uh, business, and then, uh, you know, my health and all that stuff. So it's just the main pillars that I'm focused on. For sure. Yeah.
0: And uh, as far as uh, team building, are you, are you <coughs> looking to build a bigger team?
1: Yeah. So that's where I have a little bit of trouble because I've had people that we've hired in the past that I've had to let go. Right now, I'm working with Ash. We've got, um, you know, a pretty good system going, uh, an assistant. But the only difference is that I, I have to work with certain types of people, especially in real estate, because if a client's calling me, they like who I am, they want my level of service. Uh, They don't want me to just hand them over to another agent, right? So the way we have a system now is like every client that comes through, we're all hands on deck, we kind of get an idea, clear picture, we establish a relationship, we get a WhatsApp group chat going, and then we'll kind of all pitch in, you know, some, some, uh, Ash will do a showing or I'll, I'll be in the negotiation, but then we'll uh, we'll all be aware of what's happening, what's happening and where it's where it's at, and so on. and, and the clients like that because it's hands on, but it doesn't take my physical time, right? I could be on the WhatsApp group with my kids. Um, I could be doing negotiations over the phone and docu signed it over. So, uh, I'm very blessed that things have
0: panned out for me and my situation. Perfect world. Uh, where is that at in um, five years from now?
1: Where's where am your, your I at? Your
0: business and the team.
1: Uh, Perfect world, I think I would be making a lot more content, a lot more content um, and then having a streamlined process to bring in the clients and then uh, be able to give them the same level of service that I'm giving today, but with uh, a more, uh, more like a bigger team um, who are all like-minded, you know what I mean? Like people who appreciate uh, giving service and then really like babysitting the clients because that's kind of like the... person and the service that I provide. Um, you have all sorts of different agents. Some agents are, you know, like business type, they're the negotiation, um, they only do like investment properties and and uh, they don't provide that service. I go above and beyond, the guy's calling me, he still needs help moving his stuff. You know, I, I'll take my movers, I'll store his stuff for him, I'll find him Airbnb, like things like that. Yeah. So I want the team to grow, but with people that are also Trust. believe in that same value. Trust. Yeah. Um, but a lot more content. So making a lot more content, getting a lot more attention, uh, streamlining the uh, business, and then having a very good team that's reliable that can handle that level of volume. Uh, at the moment, I think I can handle more volume. I'm, do- I'm doing a lot of transactions, but we can handle it, but I wouldn't require the help of uh, other good teammates. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what, what platforms are you using? Do you see any trends going a certain way or are, are you going to just continue on with Instagram or are you going to start jumping over to other platforms?
1: I really like Instagram. And the reason I like Instagram is because I'll, I'll repost on TikTok, but I find TikTok is like a, there's like a, it's like a cesspool of like negativity. And the reason why people are a little bit more brutal on TikTok is because Instagram allows you to share a lot more about your life. People get a better idea of who you are. On TikTok, you just, post the video but you don't post pictures you don't post like I know you could do stories but I'm just not used to it so I don't post my stories I don't have highlights on TikTok on Instagram someone's land on there they can watch my highlights see what sales I've done see my family stuff see some of the pictures uh and then see my process with the staging and and whatever and then see some of my sales and then see my funny videos so they get a complete image of who I am and it's easier to you know like uh portray that on tiktok is just like this guy just made a funny video like what kind of and then you get so much hate comments like mm. oh realtors just make f- uh, free money blah 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 and i'm like okay well if it's free money why aren't you collecting
0: you know what S- I mean? speaking of that yeah. i was just talking to Matt about this this morning but uh, um how do you deal with the hate
1: uh, you just can't give it attention there's hate uh, in this world at every corner if you're going to if you're gonna to try to address every single one of them, it will drain you, yeah. and you'll have no more love to give to your family, to your friends, to your. So you got to just ignore. it. Sometimes I'll engage. I like engaging because I, I like I like to, to have the witty. Uh, <laughs> de- 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 I'll like i like hit back, but I'll hit back with without the the
0: emotion. Yeah, just,
1: just you can tell there's so much insecurity, so much hatred, so much. There's people that are living in the darkness. That that social media is giving them access to other people for that sure. that otherwise they wouldn't have access to. So, you're a pretty positive person. If someone is very dark and just wants the worst for the people around them, you wouldn't be interacting with that person. So
0: I have zero patience
1: for it. Just yeah, you have zero patience. But yeah. on social media, you can brush shoulders with them very yeah. easily. Yeah, they can come sure. on your page and leave comments. Matt, and-
0: Matt made a good point this morning, though. If you if you if you you know don't <laughs> give it any time, but if you take three seconds to look at it they're usually fake accounts and it's someone that just has too much time in their hands and just has too much hate in their own life yeah right?
1: and and most of the time you'll say or make comments on things that you're insecure about mm-hmm. you know if, if someone said cash you're gay i'd be like well whatever yeah <sighs> you could think whatever you want <laughs> you know it doesn't bother me it doesn't bother me i have five kids of my wife but and if i was gay who cares like who, exactly. what's, what's it to you but if I was a, if I was secretly gay and I was hiding it, and someone said, like, "Cash, you're gay," I would be like, I would take offense, and maybe I'd react a certain different way because I'm not comfortable with that comment. Um, and and maybe there, that's something that's on their mind that's they're projecting. So I'm just using gay as a thing because I was talking about it earlier. But um, or anything could be anything. Cash, you're short, because I am short. It might it might actually affect me a little bit. I'd Be like oh, like, you know, pretend like I didn't. But if I was like six foot two and someone was like, Cass, you're short. I'm like, okay, good for you. Like, you know, so it's usually if it's something that's an insecurity, you'll either, you know, pick on someone for that insecurity and it shouldn't bother you unless it's really like an insecurity of yours. But it's a matter of not letting it, you know, just letting it pass and, and, and you know, understanding that people have their own problems. And yeah, there's too
0: much uh, support and, and positivity to be mm-hmm. down that route right just, yeah. just stay away from the road
1: yeah and, and and at the end of the day you have to stay positive like for me especially because I just have to carry out this good mood for my kids when I go, go home okay, for my good. wife when I'm working out when I'm making content when I'm interacting with people it's very important good leading.
0: Yeah. Uh, how do you do that? We, we, you know, we both are very busy people. We have uh, a lot in a given day. Mm-hmm. You're managing your business. I manage my companies. Um, how, how do you shut it off? How do, you, how do you make sure that you don't bring that home and, mm-hmm. and, and allow your kids and your wife to absorb it? Well, one main I- issue
1: is understanding that whatever problem you're going through right now, time will fix it. It will replace it with another problem. So you should never be too much invested in that current issue. Um, You should you should write it down what you need to do to to resolve it and put it away and understand that whatever you're going through will change with time. It'll be resolved. It'll be gone. And then something else will come and replace it. So don't give too much emotion uh, and don't give too much, uh, you know, like weight on those issues. So that's one thing. Then it's the negative people like try to really block them out. Um, And then it's the healthy, healthy habits like working out is a huge one. Uh, maintaining a good, uh, balance, uh, balanced diet, um, having great relationships with people who are also positive, who are, who are, who surround yourself with. Yeah. Yeah, Surrounding yourself with, but also, but also laughter, like comedy jokes, like, you know, just me and Cam will fool around and we'll say jokes and we'll crack up and that'll, that'll feed me for the day. Um, or, or when I hang out with Matt, like we pick at each other or like you're dancing, buddy, we my dancing, buddy. Exactly. (laughs) We danced, we danced for you. Um, just moments like that, you know, it carries you through the day. You, you can't wipe that smile off your face that easily. So, and that energy, when you're like upbeat, when you're happy, as soon as you meet someone, they feel it, it's tangible. Um, and that's what makes them want to like hang out and want to be part and want to do business with you because they want to be around that
0: or right, you seen any creative creativity
1: coming out of your children yet oh yeah. yeah oh yeah my second is like super creative he's very artistic and uh w- w- earlier on when we became parents i would tell my wife i'm like listen if we don't do anything right for these kids all we got to do is at least show them love like love 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 so they're filled with love like we grab them we hug them we kiss them we always tell them we love them and that's one thing that i'm really proud of because i can see it like radiating off of them um and like and i I could see that it encourages them to i don't know it gives them a, a boost of creativity when you're when they when they're full with love like my second he's like he draws hearts all the time and his family and everything's like rainbows and perfect and colorful and you could see what his yeah. thought process yeah. is like. It's very yeah. positive. Um, so yeah, I could see it's, it's benefiting them, um, like the approach that we're taking and the values that we have. Um, and it's, it's not that complicated. People think, oh, you're, you're a parent of five, like there's so much. Five boys, right? Five, boys, five yeah. boys, yeah. I think society, especially North American society, has placed too many rules on everything. Like oh, don't do this, don't do that. Did you know? Like you watch the news, and there's like, don't don't use this toothpaste, don't eat that food, don't don't touch that floor, don't walk with these shoes. Everything, yeah, everything is a negative thing that could kill your your child. You gotta just forget about all that. You know, there's people out there living bare feet in the streets of like Iran, where I came from. Like I used to go go to the store, corner store, at three years old. I remember go pick up stuff for for the house in my dad's sandals, and like you know, it was fine. Like Could I didn't you imagine your
0: three year old going down. the. Road no, like I can't imagine. Stairs. No, no, it's, I won't go that, you hear crazy, that story, yeah. But like,
1: yeah, well, <laughs> but we don't, we haven't baby proofed our house. Uh, all of our kids have fallen down the stairs once at least, but they've quickly learned. And I feel like if they didn't fall down the stairs, they wouldn't have learned. I remember my sister had baby proofed her whole house. There was one corner of the table where the foam had fallen off. Her daughter hit that they'll one corner they'll and find it every time. Yeah. So yeah. you can't, you can't, uh, you can't change the world. You got to prepare your kids for the world.
0: There's, um, it's a documentary. It's about um, uh, raising children in Japan, in Tokyo specifically. Mm. And I forget the name of the documentary now. It's on Apple TV, but oh, um, Japan is nuts. Yeah, they're talking about like a big part of childhood, um, you know, big thing that they do. It's a tradition. Like four years old, they start letting children walk to the grocery store and they can mm-hmm. the convenience store on their own. And mm-hmm. obviously, that starts off with the parents following like two hundred feet behind, them hundred feet mm-hmm. behind them for the first little while, but but, but teaching them to to navigate the. Mm. Uh, the I've seen
1: I've seen those videos, and I think uh, apparently in Japan, it's like like they sometimes they'll put like these vests on the kids so they go to school on their own and they'll ride the this, this subway on their own and they're like really young and like there's no crime there uh every people look out for the kids that are wearing those vests so if they need help they'll assist them it's a whole different culture and like apparently i heard that in japan if uh, they teach kids they make the kids clean the schools themselves mm-hmm. so they don't have janitors like that's part of the program and i think that's genius mm-hmm. it's like those are the real life things that you got to teach these kids, right? Not mm-hmm. bring them to school and teach them like just calculus or whatever that they might use, but they're not cleaning after themselves. This is a janitor's cleaning. The cleaning portion you'll need to learn because you'll need it every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. basic knowledge of like how to make money and how to spend it and credit card debt and all that stuff. Which they don't teach you any of that stuff. Enough. Nothing. They don't focus on it. No. nothing. So it makes you think that is the is the schooling system really made there to? You, you know, educate back, the you kids. go back
0: to um, your story at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. The 16 <clears> years <throat> old and having to come up with the down payment and then help to contribute to maintaining the caring costs in that house. Yeah, that was a better education than anything I got. Oh yeah, in huge, high school.
1: huge, and building that house and making yeah. mistakes and like I try to or I try to be the uh, general contractor of that project. And I was stretched thin because I was getting good enough business for sales, and I was trying to do this project at the same time. Uh, the contractors wouldn't show up on time because they knew that was like a one-off project. I wasn't like a repetitive building. Amazing learning
0: lesson though.
1: Oh, huge, huge. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot. Two
0: last questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one that everybody stresses about for some reason. Every time I ask it, mm. uh, not the first one, but the second one. Uh, first question is your f- two favorite neighborhoods in Toronto. So GTA, I, I should say.
1: So it's funny because. I've only now have come to decide on that because I I live in the Uplands area. I don't know if you know where that is. No. Uh, Uplands, uh, golf and Ski Hill, um, Young and like Thornhill, Mm -hmm. Young and 407, south of 407. My space is a little bit small and I bought the house with the intention of building it. So I've been for the past two years, I've been looking for another, a big house that I could fit the whole family in, in an equally good neighborhood. And I really can't find it. Like, I'm, I'm. I really love my neighborhood, so that's gotta be my number one neighborhood. Second, I probably choose like Bayview and York Mills area because I am Persian and uh, we do like the luxurious things and those estate lots and being close to the bridal Path and you know having my dogs run in the backyard with my kids on a lot that's like 500 by like 2,000 yeah. would be amazing yeah. within the city. But it's not as tangible as what I have right now. Um, I've got a pretty good lot backing onto the golf course. We get to see the sunset every night. Beautiful. Um, Can't let it go. I think I'm gonna have to build my house there. That's great,
0: that's great. Uh, And your two favorite restaurants in the GTA?
1: Oh, so I really like Persian food, yeah. Um, So I would say my favorite Persian restaurant, well, there's the ones that are fancy, like Banu is fancy, but the go-to, the one I normally go to, That's is Shomal, like which is Steels, on Steels. Shomal, North. Okay. North, spell yeah. It. No, right. uh, S-H-O-M-A-L.
0: I'm just going to go with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're going to go. I'll take you. Yeah, done deal.
0: Great. Yeah. Second?
1: Uh, second, I really like uh, uh, Armenian food, okay. uh, Lebanese uh, food, um, Tabouleh and Baby Village. Yeah, I really like that. Do you ask this so that next time we go out, like you? Well, I'm be definitely like, making a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like I like Middle Eastern uh, cuisine. I'm I'm a big foodie guy. Like I like sushi. I like Italian. Uh, I love
0: Middle Eastern. I agree. It's just a it's yeah. a healthy
1: way of eating. Mediterranean, so. Middle Eastern. Like I love fruits, vegetables. Like I've got to have a wide range of. Like when I go to Persian a restaurant. I don't just eat kebab and rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the, the grilled peppers. I get yeah, the grilled yeah, tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. I got to yeah. get the salad on the side, the yogurt soda, like bring out the radishes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and it has to be complete. Um, but yeah, that's that's you don't get like I like Chinese food too but like a lot of the Chinese restaurants here are not authentic no no. it's just fast food Chinese like North American Chinese yeah so a lot of that MSG like sticky and and heavy and yeah yeah. Yeah. still enjoy it though but but authentic
0: Chinese food is fabulous
1: yeah I've had authentic Chinese food it's it's different yeah So, so yeah I mean it's great
0: well, this was uh, this was entertaining. I'm surprised we got through this with seeing the wig, but uh, yeah. yeah, I got to try some of this stuff and uh, yeah, it's great.
1: Pleasure yeah, I think I think you know what? You gained a lot of uh, Persian people's respect today. Again, like I, yeah. I do that. Yeah, that was Yeah, uh, that Mark was likes duel. That's 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 duh. huge. Duh. Yeah. Duh. How do you spell it? Uh, well, D O O G H. Yeah, okay. Um, you know,
0: that's Farsi. Interesting. It was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks on. for having
1: me on, man. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right. See ya.